0: This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. We've been in this series in the book of Ephesians talking about your identity in Christ. So the first three weeks, that's what we've done. We dove into this idea of being ha- having an identity. How many of you know you have an identity in Christ? The key word is in Christ. And so first week one, in, in Ephesians one, we discovered that we're uh, deeply loved. I mean, believe that. You believe it? You're fully pleasing. You're completely forgiven. You're totally accepted. And you're complete in Christ. You don't need anything else. Amen. That's what we talked about week one. Your identity is that you're in Him and you, have, you, you are loved and, and, and forgiven. Week two, we said you're a masterpiece. And we said that Christ created you as a masterpiece for good works and I added a statement to that last week that he created in, in Christ for good works so that we could glorify the master artist I mean who the master artist is and then last week in chapter 3 we talked about how that we belong That there's a belonging that we have we're part of the the body of Christ the church and membership has its anybody remember it have its, has its privileges that because we're in, in the body, we, ha- we have a place to belong, we have a place to grow, we have a place to make a difference, right? We belong to Him and His body. That was week three. So that's all really about the identity of Christ. So the next three weeks we're going to talk about how people who are fully alive in Christ, how they behave, okay? So it's going to go more practical in the last three chapters of Ephesians. And you're going to be able to take some stuff that you can apply to your life, amen? So here's where I want to start. I always want to start with Christ's vision for your life. How many of you know what Christ's vision for your life is? If you've been around here long enough, you know. Christ wants you fully alive in him. Amen? So John 10.10 10 is our theme verse here. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's Christ's vision for you today. Amen? And so knowing that... We begin to dive into the the fourth chapter of Ephesians, and you can go there if you want to. If you have your journals, hope you guys are bringing your journals and writing in that and reading along with us as we're studying the book of Ephesians. But I want to, before we read this, I want to just, want to say this. Remember last week I said that that analogy of belonging to a club, some kind of club, we said that it had its privileges, but we also understand that being a part of some kind of organization like that, it has its responsibilities, right? In some way, you're going to have to fulfill a responsibility because you're a part of that group. Well, There's no difference in the church. The body of Christ, because you belong to Christ and His body, you have privileges, yes, but you also have responsibilities. Would you agree? And so we're going to talk about what those responsibilities are today. And I believe that as a, a community of faith, the the followers of Jesus that are in the room that that love not only Christ's big C church but Grow Church itself, that you understand that you have you're a part of this narrative that that Christ is writing. Right? He's, how many know he's writing a narrative? He's writing a story, and the story is all about purpose. Amen. And when you fulfill and you understand your identity in Christ, and you fulfill what God's called you to do, your purpose then. You play a part in the narrative of the church, fulfilling its purpose. Amen. So that's what I want to talk about today, a little bit about the, your responsibility. But I want to start by saying this. Your family, how many have family in here? Husbands, wives, kids, cousins, uncles, aunts. By the dozens, right? Your family can be impacted by the church. Here's how. Because when you learn in the in the context of a church family, how to behave, (laughs) right? How to get along. I don't see any elbows now. Then you can learn then that carries over into your personal life. It carries over into your family life. So if you can learn how to behave and be a part of a healthy church culture, you can actually have a healthy family culture. Amen. It's all because you understand your part and your place in Christ's church. Amen? So let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Here's what it says It says, Therefore, I, prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. I want you to pay close attention to that. A life worthy of your calling. Pay attention. For you have been called by God. You follow? Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Notice that. We're starting to see how we're supposed to behave, right? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all." So you notice Paul setting it up really nicely for us to fulfill our purpose, right? As a matter of fact, in the very first sentence, what does he say? Lead a life worthy of your calling. Now here's how I believe this connects to the church as a whole. If If you understand your place and your purpose in the body, then it's gonna help the church of Jesus Christ understand its purpose, right? And so that word, that word there, it says you look, it says you're worthy of the call. Now, not everybody's gonna be called to full time pastoral ministry or whatever, like I do, but you understand you're a minister nonetheless. And you believe that, know that. And so when when God's called you to be a minister, One one translation actually says, when it talks about that call, it's a vocation. The word vocation is used in one translation, which tells me this is all about your purpose. Now, you may not be a preacher. You may not be an evangelist or whatever, but God has called you to do something. He has given you a purpose, and I say it around here all the time. You were created on purpose for purpose. And this is what he's talking about. Paul is talking about your call is nothing, none, nothing less than you just fulfilling your purpose. Now, some of you, God's called you to, to work with your hands. You know, we got carpenters and electricians and plumbers in here, right? You don't want me doing any of that. If, if something goes wrong at the house and the plumbing, I'm picking up the phone. I'm not picking up a a screwdriver or a wrench. I'm picking up the phone. And the reason that I'm not doing that is because that's not what God's called me to do. He's purposed me to preach the gospel, right? He's purposed me to help you be a follower of Jesus, amen? But some of you, God has called you to that. You're in the public arena. You're in those segments. You have a circle of influence. And so what what Paul is saying, whatever your calling is, whatever your purpose is, walk worthy. Now what do I mean by walking worthy? Let me just say it this way. Practice what you preach. Amen. So when people look at your life, they see there's something different about you. When you're walking, you're doing your everyday business. And the, the reason that that's important is because what we're trying to do is we're trying to draw people into the family of God, amen? And so when you walk worthy of your call, you're just walking the walk, baby. Amen. And so you have to pay, pay close attention to this is why God put you on earth. He put you on earth for a purpose. And it's bigger than you. It's more than making that, bringing that check home. It's more than buying that house. It's more than all, all those things are great, but it's way more than that. Here's the other thing to consider. Pay close attention. You know what? That's why I ask you to pay close attention to who called you. Mama didn't call you. Daddy didn't call you. I didn't call you. Who called you? Who called you? God called you. You know what? Because he called you, that's pretty serious business, right? I better take that call serious because the one who created me knows me best, hung the stars in the sky, hung everything that you see. He called me and said, I need you. I better respond, hadn't I? Daddy's calling. And so you got to take this call seriously. And so here's, here's what I want to tell you. that As a part of the body of Christ, as we've read already, Here's what you need to understand as far as responsibility goes. You need to be responsible to help seek unity in the body. Can I say that one more time? You have a responsibility to seek unity in the body. And when you're walking in your God-given call and your purpose, that's what happens. It's almost like it's natural because I'm walking in what God's called me to do, right? And especially when you understand in the context of the local church that your giftings, your purpose can be fulfilled right here in this building too. So Paul tells us to walk worthy in a manner of, this, of, of the call and give us, he gives us a clue that maybe the Holy Spirit's involved in this thing. How would you agree? Because here's what I noticed. In those passages, three, three words stuck out to me. Gentleness, humility, patience. Actually, there's four in love. There's four that, I, that, that stuck out. Understand this, that when the Holy Spirit's working in your life, You're going to start getting some outcomes, right? Gentleness. Fruit of the Spirit, right? Love. Fruit of the Spirit. Patience. Fruit of the Spirit. Humility is not listed in them, but it is a fruit, right? So all four of those are indicators that the Holy Spirit is at work. He's the one who's orchestrating this whole thing. And when we surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to have control of our lives, that's the outcome that you get. You'll walk worthy of your call. You'll walk in your purpose and you'll fulfill it in love. Amen? This is how this works. And so for you to be able to to fulfill your calling means that that, that we're going to do what what we can, our part in the the body, and then unity comes because we're all working together. What's What's the thing that connects us? It's the uniting purpose of Christ. That's what unites us. It's his purpose, amen? So you're going to take the responsibility to walk worthy. Now, notice what, what the, the psalmist says about unity. I want you to see this, how important unity is to Jesus. Watch this. Behold how good and pleasant it is when, what do they do? They dwell in unity. In other words, they're going to hang out together, and unity is going to be the, be the response, right? Right? Watch what he says. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. Watch this part here. For there the Lord has suggested. No, what does it say? He commands a blessing. What is he commanding the blessing on? Unity. Unity. If we walk in unity, you can rest assured, not only will this church be blessed, but your family and your children and everything else will be blessed. Why? Because you have made unity a priority. Unity in the body. It's our responsibility to work for unity in the body. And the reason is, it's because God has a work to do with His church. Amen? through his church. If you're taking notes, number two, we have a responsibility to do our part to help the church grow. Pastor, are you about growth? Of of course. We're, we're, We're Grow Church. We should be about growth, shouldn't we? We better be about growth. But here's, here's, here's the, the thing that really bothers me. is Some people say, well, all you want to do is grow. Listen, it, that's how it should be. Christ's church has been growing since it started, has it not? How many people did it start with? Well, it started with 12. Jesus picked 12 guys. They began to turn the world upside down, but it didn't stay at 12. Are you glad it didn't stay at 12? Okay, and then it moved to 120. Thank you, Mark. 120 in the upper room, they received the the Holy Spirit, and the church began to exponentially grow. Within the first three centuries of the church's birth, it it went from 120 to like 30 million. That's exponential. So you understand, it's the the heart of Jesus that the church grows. And Paul lays it down really clearly right here. Watch watch this. Go to verse 11, chapter 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Watch this. For what reason? To equip his people. Y'all the people, right? To equip his people for works of service. Does it say to to equip just the pastors and evangelists and and teachers and all that to do all the work? y'all see it that's not what it says it says to equip you guys the people of Christ for works of service for what reason so the body of Christ may be built up can we put grow in there grow is a synonym for built up right and so the church is supposed to grow watch this until we all reach what word Unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, grow up. Amen. Again, no elbows. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ from him the whole body joined together joined and held together by every supporting ligaments say it out loud grows and is built and builds itself up in love as each part does its work so whose responsibility is it to grow the church say it out loud Ours. And you can even make it more personal. Say mine. See, some of you didn't say it. It is ours. Together. So we see this clear picture of the the mystery that we talked about a couple weeks ago of Christ's church becoming more and more focused, right? As we understand more truth about who God is and we look into his word and we dig in, we understand with a clear picture of what Christ has intended for his church and what he intends his church to look like, it's becoming clearer, is it not? And so this this mystery is, this is how the church is supposed to function. This is what the church is supposed to look like. It's not supposed to look like a bunch of people who are just uh, going through the motions. This is a bunch of people who are in love with Jesus, who don't mind people knowing it, who don't mind serving, who don't mind giving of their time and their talent and their treasure to see the work of Christ grow and expand. We ain't a social club, y'all. I like social. Everybody likes to socialize. I do. But the main reason we are here is for the purpose of building Christ's church. Adding to it every single day. Amen. And here's what he did. He ordained leaders in the church. Now, I, know, I understand. I get it. Some of you have been around some pretty toxic leaders. Please don't point at me. Please. Some of you have been around some pretty toxic people who called themselves leaders. They were no more leaders than a man in the moon. But I'm here to tell you that that should not stop you from trusting the people who've got put you over you in the Lord. Amen. And so here's, here's the reality you know, yes, I, I belong to a church and I trust the leadership. I should anyway, right? If I can't, I need to find somewhere else. Amen. Because watch this, Hebrews chapter 3, watch what, uh, 13, excuse me, watch what it says. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. When I read that, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm supposed to watch over your soul. Amen? There's weight to what I say. That's a heavy responsibility, folks, in case you didn't realize it. And, I, you know, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, maybe I need to try something else. But no, Why? Because because of verse (laughs) 1, I'm supposed to walk worthy of the call, right? The purpose that God put in me. He put me here, right? He positioned me for such a time as this at Grow Church. Watch what it says. He says, they're accountable to God. I'm accountable to God for what I tell you. I'm accountable unto God for what I teach you up here on this pulpit every Sunday morning. And it says, give them a reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow that would certainly not be your benefit. So you understand that God has ordained spiritual leadership in the church. Amen? Not to beat you down. No, it's really, my my goal is to do what? Build you up. To help you grow. And so you notice here, another thing is that If the church will function the way we're supposed to, we will have an outcome. We will have a bunch of people who are mature in Christ walking around. Amen. We'll grow up. Well, I understand. You know, some of us are growing up in different stages. That's okay. At different levels. But, you know, at least we're growing, right? So, if the church functions the way it's supposed to, we will have mature followers who will not be pulled here and there by every teaching that comes along. There's some bad teaching out there, would you agree? And if you, if you don't know the Word of God, if you're ignorant to the Word of God, you can fall prey to those people that are, that are deceiving you, amen? And so that's why he says it's so important that the church build up mature believers so we can recognize a counterfeit when we see it. But some of us, I'm here to tell you, I know this is hard preaching, it's going to step on your toes. Some of you do not know Job from Job. Folks, I'm telling you, it's important for us to latch on to the Word of God to fulfill our purpose and our call to the full. Why? So that we're not deceived. Here's the third thing. You notice Paul doesn't leave room for anybody to opt out. Oh, that's not for me. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm a Christian, but that whole that whole work in, that whole serving thing, that's not for me. I can I'm, I'm opting out. That's not how this works, folks. God did not call you to be a spectator. Man, I know this is not popular. Because in this culture, man, you just come to church and feel good. We'll, 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 make you, we'll make you feel good and you can leave. No, God is calling some serious disciple makers in this place today. It's just like, think about, oh, listen, how many Braves fans in the room today? Woo, they're going, come on, y'all got to be more excited than that. They're headed to the NLCS. The first time since 2001, almost 20 years, They're going to the NLCS. Think about this. What if tomorrow night when they play the Dodgers that Ronald Acuna says, you know what, I just don't feel like playing tonight. Nah. Coach, can you put somebody else in? I'm just going to sit the bench. No, 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 no. No. He has a responsibility. Why? Because he says, I'm Atlanta Brave. He puts on that uniform. He gets his butt out on the field and plays. You follow me? You name the name of Christ. You, you've been clothed in his righteousness. You better get in the game. Because we need you. If Acuna did not lead off, what would that lineup look like? Of course, he's pretty, he's pretty arrogant. I don't know if you guys know him. He's, anyway. he's probably a bad analogy <laughs> But you notice how we do this. We do this in humility, right? Humility is not, watch this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not, oh, I'm just a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Nobody likes me. You know, you've heard that song, Everybody Hates Me. I guess I'll go eat worms. That's not humility, folks. No, humility is understanding who you are. We've already said it. You're a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. You belong to him. So you can can hold your chest high. But you know what? You make the the acknowledgement. He's where my gifts come from. He's where my purpose comes from. It's all about him, 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 him. And then what happens is because I'm thinking of, of, of myself less, then I can think of you more. Right? I understand it's not about me. It's about you. And so when we all understand this is what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to look like, the body of Christ partnering together, locking arms to fulfill the, p- the purpose and the mission of the church, then, man, what could, we, what could we do? What kind of impact could we make if we would do this, if we just get in the game? Some of you just need to get in the game. Yeah, turn your ear and say, get in the game. Y'all weak. One more time. Tell them. Get in the game. There you go. All right. Here's the last thing. A responsibility to cultivate healthy relationships. Healthy, life-giving relationships. Let me say that. Healthy, life-giving relationships. Whose responsibility is it to cultivate those kind of relationships? It's not your husband. Or your wife. It's yours. Amen? And so I want to show you here in the last few passages in Ephesians 4 what it looks like. All right, so let's let's read this. We're going to have quite a few to read, so bear with me. So te- so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. I want you to pay attention to that word futility, Okay. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. That, however, this is not the way of life you learned. Remember, he's talking to the church, right? When you heard about Christ and were taught in Him according with the truth that is in Jesus... You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Watch this. This is another one to pay attention to as well. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Okay? And put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for you're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, there it is again, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Healthy relationships are vital to the life of the church. Can I get an amen? And when we walk in the newness of life, it's possible. But you notice how Paul puts that in there about the old way of thinking, the old way of life. Now, there was a pivotal moment in your life. Anybody know what that pivotal moment is? The moment you accept Christ, you believe in his finished work on the cross, something changes. What happens? The Bible says you pass from death to life. The old you is gone. There's a new you, amen? New and improved. Yeah, come on, somebody. And so what Paul's saying is, if you'll, if you'll change, if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to do a work down deep inside your heart, things will start to change for you, especially in the area of relationships, right? And so when you accept Christ, there's a journey that you start going on to be like Him, to, to know Him better, to have a relationship with Him that's flourishing, that is fully alive, amen? Amen? How many of you want that? So here's what I, I came up with some words, out, especially out of what we were reading, of what a fully alive relationship looks like. Number one, there's love. Main one, right? Not the love that you see on, in the Hallmark movie. I had to get that in there. Because this is like really, isn't this like when the Hallmark season ramp, ramps up? Like 55 days of Christmas. I'm like, well, I'm kidding. I know there's just not that many, but. But, you know, and I understand, you know, it's, it's, it feels good to watch Hallmark and see love, but that's not the kind of love we're talking about, right? No, it's a, it's a love that's, that's sacrificial. It's a love that, it's, it's the same love that sent Christ to the cross. That's the kind of love we're talking about. And so there's love, and then there's honesty. Honesty. There's compassion. There's communication. There's forgiveness. There's listening. A fully alive relationship has all of those. Can I get an amen? And so Paul lays it out right here. This is this is what they look like. Now you notice that he's saying we got to get rid of those things that sabotage our relationships. Things like bitterness or or anger, which listen, anger itself is not sin, right? How many agree? Anger is actually a God given emotion, is it not? When you see injustice done, when you see something wrong and you, you see somebody be wrong, there's that, there's that anger that wells up inside of you, and that's okay. Here's what happens. When anger controls you and you begin behaving badly, that's when it's a problem. And that's what Paul's speaking of here. When we, we get so angry, we, we misbehave. Ain't none of y'all done that, have you? I've done that so many times. My wife's about there, amen, and I know she is. And so, if we're going to have great relationships, we can't let anger control us. Amen. He also talks about this, this idea of having a, a, a new mind, right? What do you, how do he word it? He says, we're made new in the attitude of our minds. So here's what I want to say to you. If you're struggling with anything like that, anger, bitterness, resentment, all those things, if you're struggling with any of that, you got to get to the root of it. Get to the root, you change the fruit. Amen. And so, we're not putting band-aids on this thing. You know what we're doing? Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need you to do a deep dive into my heart, into, into who I am, and show me the areas that I am failing. Guess what? You'll do it. Because you've got to get to this. Because if you don't get to the root of it, it will continue to show itself. And that's why some of you over and over again, I keep messing up. Over and over again, I keep messing up. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. That's the problem, you're trying. When it should be, I'm surrendering. Surrendering to who? Power of the Holy Spirit. Because He's the one going to change it from the inside out. That's why I recommend that you, everybody in this room, if you've not done our freedom curriculum, I challenge you, the next time we have it, we'll do it again next semester. I, I would love to see us having to do multiple of them because that's what happens. We begin to get to the root. And I understand. I get it. Some of the stuff that you've experienced in your life, it's painful. There's been abuse and you just don't want to deal with it anymore. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll let the Lord heal you, from the inside out it can change your trajectory it can change your whole life so let me recommend that if you have not done that that freedom curriculum is really good of of helping you dive deep into these things because if you're going to deal with communication you're going to deal with relationships you got to be honest, right? you got to be honest with yourself first and then you can be honest with somebody else Anybody know anybody who says, because oh, he, he says to tell the truth, right? Anybody know any truth tellers in the room who don't do it so well? Who can slice you open with the truth? They can even use the word of God and just rip you to shreds. That's not how it's supposed to be, folks. Well, okay. Paul, Paul said, speak the truth in love. Here's the reason. Because there's power in speaking truth. As a matter of fact, the only way you grow is, is to hear truth. And you're only responsible for the truth that you know, right? So you, so you listen to the truth and you, and you respond to it. And you listen to some more truth and you respond to it. But here's the thing. If you don't respond to the truth, you're still responsible for it. You understand what I'm saying? So the more you in, get enlightened to things, the more responsible you are. Amen. And so here's here's what I would say respond to the truth and do something about it. When God shows you an area of your life that needs to change, let Him change it. Let Him do a deep work in your heart to heal you from all this. And here's the thing when you're speaking the truth, let love be the guiding motivation. When he says to w- watch what you say, one I think in the, it's in the Psalm, I can't remember. He says, oh, God, put a guard over my mouth. Right? So I don't say the wrong things. Because how many of you know words have power? As a matter of fact, the proverb says life and death is in the tongue. And he, you can either kill somebody in their spirit, or you can build them up just by the words that you say. So communication becomes such an important part of developing a healthy relationship that it's really vital to it. Because communication not only helps you lead, but helps you to be a good husband, good, good wife, good son or daughter, good church member. Good communication is the key to this thing. Amen? If you're a business owner, Learn to communicate. Amen. I'm telling you, things go better when you communicate. Because I know how it is. I'm, you know, some guys, our response to everything is, uh. Guys, learn how to communicate. I get it. It's hard sometimes to get what you're feeling in here out. Do it. Your wife will appreciate it, amen? Wives, amen? So as we're closing this up, notice the change that from from the very beginning of that where he says the Gentiles are futile in their thinking. You know what that word futile means? Purposeless. So before Christ, you didn't have any purpose, amen? But God resurrects a purpose inside of you, and now you're not thinking like the Gentiles do. No, you have purpose. And so, that mind, your mind's being renewed because of what Christ has done in your heart. So, understand this. This is the change that takes place as God's renewing your mind kindness, compassion, forgiveness, all of them produced by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, let's sum this up. Tell the truth in be honest in your dealings. Don't let anger control you. Learn to communicate properly. Remember, words have power. It's a game changer. And then, most of all, walk in humility. Because that's going cha- to be the game changer for your relationships, I promise you. And then lastly, how can you be responsible? We talked about three responsibilities, right? Number one, what are we responsible for? Seeking unity. Right, take the responsibility. Be proactive about guarding the unity of our church. Amen. Number two, discover your purpose and gifting, and take responsibility by getting in the game. Don't be Ronald Acuna, or maybe so I don't know. Number three, be proactive about cultivating healthy relationships, not just in the body but in your family. Okay, would you stand this morning? Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.